the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, is the one that he wrote Romans. And he's writing to this church in Rome, and it's been a church that's been around for uh, a while. It's an established church. It's not a new church that Paul started, but it's been around. And Paul, who was a Roman citizen but had never been to Rome, is writing to these people, and he's saying, I, I'm, I want to be with you. I can't wait to be with you. I just haven't been able to be there yet. And he's writing to a very interesting group of people. It's about 60 AD is the time frame that, that Paul is writing this letter. And this church in Rome has uh, people from the Jewish faith who are now following Jesus. It has people that are known as Gentiles. And Gentiles are people that are not of the Jewish faith. So now it has these Gentiles who believe that Jesus is like the Savior and the Messiah. And they're in this group. It has some very highly educated people from the Roman uh, community, from the community in Rome. Uh, that are there, and then it has some people that aren't so smart, and, and, and it's all mixed together, and these people are all together, and it's really easy for us to think, oh, it's this church in Rome, it's the Roman Catholic Church, not the same, different church, and so Paul is writing to these people, and he's writing this letter, and it's really, when you get down to it, as you begin to read through Romans, you're going to hear Paul say this word, everyone, everybody, for all people, Every, it's like throughout the entire thing. And so it's really this idea that it's for everyone, and Paul is writing for everyone. Now here's one of the tensions that Paul is facing. He has these people who are of Jewish faith that are now following Jesus, and a lot of the Jews at this time period, this is what they would say. They would say, uh, I grew up, I have the Jewish law, which is the Torah, it's the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They have the Torah, that's their law, they memorize it from the time they were little kids, they know it. They follow it the best they can. And so now here's what's happening. These people are taking this law that they grew up in and these people that are Gentiles who have no concept of it and they're saying, if you're really going to follow Jesus, you're not only just going to follow what Jesus says, but you're going to do all these other things. And so they're saying, you got to be part. Of, if you're going to be part of us, you got to be exactly like us and you have to follow the exact same rules as us. And it's created this tension because Paul is sitting there going, ah, that's probably not how it's going to work. It's probably not the best way. And he, he's just facing this tension and this kind of back thing. And it kind of feels like you can almost like fast forward it to church today. Where there's a lot of times where when you look at church and there's a lot of churches that will say, if you are really a follower of Jesus, this is the way your life looks. Now, there's a lot of times where uh, I think that's a very difficult concept to grasp. Because there's some people that say, well, the Bible says it like this, and this is how it is, and so if you're going to be part of us, this is how you interpret this. And there's other people that maybe have a little bit more different interpretation of it. And so you have this tension, even in the church today, of if you're really one of us, this is how you're going to live. But really, it comes down to Jesus. And it was almost like the Jews were looking at uh, the Gentiles saying, we have it together, you're broken and messed up, get it together, and then you're one of us. And it's a little bit like the same tension you might feel in church today, of if you got it together, you're one of us, but if you're broken and messed up, you can kind of go over there. Here's the thing, though, the, the most interesting thing that you're going to get through and, and you're going to understand, and this is the big idea. It's the big idea of our series, it's the big idea of the talk today, and it's the gospel is good news for broken people like you and me. The gospel is good news for broken people like you and me. Now, here's what we have to grasp for a minute. It's really, really easy for us to go, the gospel is good news for broken people like you. 
That's what's easy for us, right? It's easy to look at people's life and, and kind of the shambles and the brokenness of their life and say, this is going to be good news for you. I, I, I already have it together. I'm, I'm way better. But it's good news for you. And really what we struggle with is that whole me thing. Like, it's good news for broken people like you and me. And that's where we have to get to when we look at the gospel. That's what Paul encourages us to get to as we look at through the Romans and through the gospel. Is that the gospel is good news for broken people like you and me together. And so here's thought number one if you want to take your hand out. Uh, Thought number one, we are all broken. We are all broken. For broken people like you and me, we have to realize that every one of us is broken. Here's how this works. Everyone is sinned. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter uh, your backstory, your economic status, what race, what gender you are, what side of the tracks you came from. None of it matters. It doesn't matter your occupation. None of it matters. We're all sinners. It's the most basic form of the gospel. Is that everyone is sinners. It doesn't matter who you are. And so then from there, what we realize is that because of our sin, we're separated from God. There's no way for us to be connected to God. And so what God has done is Jesus came to live and dwell among us, as it says in John chapter 1. And he came so that he would die for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. It's the most basic start. That's the most basic gospel right there. Is that you and I are sinners, we're broken, and God has come through the person of Jesus to restore us back to him. Now here's the thing that like, we have to understand a little bit. Is that we might look at our lives and think, well, I'm, I'm okay. Like, I, I'm all right, I have it together, I think I'm doing all right. The reality is, is that all of us are broken. Everyone. Because you and I sin, and what sin does is it does this. Sin creates a selfishness in us that leads to a brokenness in us. And so we have to realize that, is that as we sin, it creates a brokenness in our hearts and a brokenness in our lives, and it creates broken relationships and broken marriages and broken jobs and broken life. Because sin separates us from God and it creates brokenness. And so we have to realize is that everyone, all of us, are broken. But there's a good news in that is that there's an answer for our brokenness in the person of Jesus. It says this in Romans chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into, the king, into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. I have this friend that he is uh, an amazing woodworker. And uh, a couple weeks ago, he put some photos on his Instagram of him tearing down this old barn. Right? It was this old... He showed the barn his old, dilapidated... Like, one of those barns has, like, things growing on it and, like holes everywhere, just one of those ugly ones. Now, I'm a little different when it comes to demolition of things. I like to see how great I can blow it up, however that looks like. Um, Whether it's physically like I'll just take a hammer and just swing as hard as I can or like throw things at it, jump on it, push it, run into it, whatever. Um, I'm really looking for how big can I make the boom go, right? That's, that's, That's me. And uh, he, on the other hand, though, he went through this barn and literally took it down board by board. And I'm like, that's a waste of time. <laughs> like, you're dumb. You could really, you knock that whole thing down in like 20 minutes. 
But no, he took it down board by board very carefully. And what he was doing was he was trying to preserve the wood. Because what he does is he takes these old wood and he creates chairs and tables and all this amazing stuff. And I think that's a great analogy for our life. I think it's really easy when we realize that this is that you and I are kind of like a broken, dilapidated barn. We have holes in it. There's weeds growing all over us. Like there's rats nests in us and bees and it's just gross and nasty and no one wants to go in it. That's generally what we are. We're these broken down, dilapidated barns that are, are full of sin and broken and, and don't really have a, a, a usefulness anymore. But what does Jesus do is he comes in and he kind of begins to deconstruct the sin out of our lives and he begins to move things and he begins to pull these boards down and he begins to put us back together and all of a sudden what used to be this ugly, burnt down, nasty barn has now become this beautiful table where people can sit down together and and, and eat together and be with each other and there's community created. You begin to realize that. I think that's how Jesus wants to get us to understand is that we're all broken, but the good news is that Jesus begins to put us back together again. That's the good news for broken people like you and me. Thought number two, we're all broken. This next, next thought is every, uh, the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. Paul continues writing and he says in verse 5, Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them, so that they will believe and obey Him, bringing glory to His name. And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I think it's really, really easy for us to look at people and say, God probably struggles loving them. (laughs) You know that person? that Like maybe you struggle loving them? And you're like, if I struggle, God struggles. I think it's really easy for us to think that person will never come to church, that person will never follow Jesus, that person will never, like there's no way that's possible. I I find it interesting, and we wrote this talk about a month ago, six weeks ago. And I I, I think it's very interesting that it kind of coincides with what's happening in Seattle this week with uh, the Pride Parade and then everything that happened in Orlando. It's really easy for churches to say, God can't love them. I was at a Seahawks game getting ready to go in. It was a Sunday night game that they were playing uh, the Cardinals. And I, I don't know if you've been to a Seahawks game lately, but it's crazy out before you get in. It's crazy inside too. And I'm standing in line, you know, to get my customary pat down, uh, minus the dinner. And uh, I'm standing there and there's this guy with a bullhorn And he's yelling at the top of his lungs, and he has this big, angry sign above him. And I'm sitting there going, stop, please. I'm offended, and I know what you're trying to do, and it's just not working. And he's yelling about how God hates this and how God hates that. And I'm like, is that effective? (laughs) Is that really what we've stemmed down, like telling people about Jesus to, is some crazy guy outside of a Seahawk game yelling at people? And I begin to think about this idea that the gospel being for everyone. My job as a follower of Jesus is to help people experience Jesus. That's, my, that's the whole point of this whole thing, is that if I really believe that Jesus is for me, that he's got to be there for everybody else. And so the gospel's for everyone. And so my job is to help people realize that Jesus is for them. That God loves them. To help them experience Jesus in ways that maybe they never have before. 
And so I begin, we have to begin to think about it like this. Is it, am I helping people experience Jesus with the things that I say, with the actions I do, with the things that I post? Am I exposing people to Jesus? And then the second question that we have to follow up with that one is, is am I helping people experience Jesus? And then the second one is, what type of Jesus are they experiencing? Because there's a lot of times where people say, oh, I'm going to help you experience Jesus. You're stupid. You're dumb. You don't got it together. And God doesn't love you. But if you act like me, God will love you. Where do we get off with that one? If you become more like me, God will love you more. I don't think that's the case. I think there's times where God sits there and he hears these conversations, however well intended they are, and he just goes, oh, crap. Here we go again. I really do. It's this idea that the gospel is for everyone. And here's what happens. When we are under the impression that God can't love somebody, or we're under the impression that, they, that God can't get a hold of their heart, or we're under the impression that they will never experience Jesus, or they'll never follow Jesus. When we have that ideology in our hearts and in our lives, really what we're communicating is that, God, I'm glad you sent Jesus. I'm glad he died on the cross. I'm glad he rose from the dead. I'm glad he conquered evil, death, and sin and gives us grace, but it's not good enough. That's what we communicate. When we believe that the gospel isn't for everyone, we're essentially saying God and what Jesus has done on the cross isn't good enough. It's realizing that the gospel is for everyone. And Paul is communicating that to us, that the gospel is for everybody, that no one's excluded, that no one gets left out, that God is for people. It leads us into thought number three, being this, share Jesus. Share Jesus. If we are followers of Jesus, we are obligated, compelled, and bound to share Jesus with people. Uh, the church world is very, is very uh, interesting. Um, just different beliefs and different opinions and the way things go. Um, and maybe you grew up in this uh, kind of this faith tradition. Um, so I'm not knocking, I'm not making fun of, I just find it incredibly interesting. Um, it, it's a fundamental, uh, fundamental Baptist King James Version only. The church. Bible's written, lots of different translations. Uh, there's no real translation that's like, these are like the exact words, all right? Because it's the Bible, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, the New Testament's written in Greek, it got translated to English, it's been translated across the world, and uh, I'm not a Greek scholar, uh, there's not many uh, that are. And so the translations, they're there. They're accurate. But sometimes uh, when you're reading the Bible, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but sometimes I'm like, I have no idea what that just said. Maybe just me. But you guys are way highly more educated than I am. Uh, or you at least paid attention in college. That's probably where we differed. <laughs> don't tell my professors. Uh, but there's all these different translations and all these different ideas. And it was funny, there's uh, certain groups of, of people that are followers of Jesus that believe that the King James Version Bible is the only Bible around, and they have a very strict guideline to that. And so when it gets into these verses where it talks about uh, sharing your faith, they believe there's only one way to do that, and it's to knock on someone's door. And you've met these people before, not just the Mormons, not just the J-dubs, but uh, there, there are some very uh, group people, and they are, and it was funny, this is how I got to this, there was a YouTube video that, that came uh, up, and, and it was this angry, angry little Baptist man knocking on someone's door, 
like tell this and he's like this is how you win souls and i'm like really i should watch i you know i need to pay attention and like he knocked on the door and the things that like he said like again well intended came from the scriptures but the delivery of it was like rough and like all i remember it from this video was him yelling and then the door slamming and i'm like yeah that's what happens and then he's like he left the porch excited. He's like, we're going to win that one one day. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're losing. You're losing bad. And I thought, man, what's it like when we share Jesus with people? What does it look like? Paul felt this great sense of urgency to share Jesus. It's why he did what he did. It's how he lived. And here's what it says in Romans chapter uh, 1, verses 14 and 15. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to, to the educated and the uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome to preach the good news. He felt this obligation that he says, I have to do something. Because if there's good news for somebody like me and a broken person like me, it's got to be good news for other people that are broken as well. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and maybe they were sharing just a difficult time of their life or a difficult season or something they were going through and you just had that moment where as they're talking, you feel your own story in theirs and you're like, I've been through this. I, I know how to get through this. And, and you kind of feel that like good news kind of well up inside you that like you're, you're going to be okay. I know how to get through this. Have you ever been in that spot? I think like if you have ever been in that spot where you knew someone who was just sharing the brokenness and the hurt of their life and you're like, I've been through that. I know how to get through that, but I'm not going to tell them. I think like, man, that's not a very nice friend. <laughs> Like, your friend is sharing how much they hurt and their pain and their brokenness, and you're like, yeah, that's a bummer. I think sometimes maybe that's how we view the gospel and sharing Jesus. With this idea of like someone sharing their heart and sharing their hurt and sharing the pain and the brokenness of their life, and it wells up inside of us that, oh man, I wish they just knew. I wish they could find how Jesus has, has begun to put me back together, how I was this old messed up barn, but now I'm this beautiful dining table, this beautiful chair, whatever it is that God has put me in and he's created me and put me back together in. I think that's that whole good news thing, that if we refuse to share it, it man, it's just damaging to people. But when we feel that well up inside of us, that good news that comes through, it's like, I, I got, I've been here. I know how this goes. I know how to share this. I know what to do. The good news is meant to be shared. We're meant to share Jesus in every capacity, no matter where we're at. And it doesn't have to be weird. You don't have to knock on the door and be like, King James only version. Um, here's what it says. It says, you're messed up. You're jacked up. I have the answer. I am the answer. Go fix you know figure it out. It doesn't have to be that way. It's as simple as saying, I'm here for you because I've been in your, I've been in your spot. I'm here for you because I'm, I'm, I might not be a dining room table yet, but at least Jesus has started taking some of the wood off the wall, off the barn. That might, I might not be perfected yet, but here's the good news for me. And so we have to get into this point of sharing Jesus with people that it's almost wrong if we don't feel the sense to do it, to share good news for broken people like you and me. Thought number four is this. The gospel is powerful. 
The gospel is powerful. I think one of the greatest stories that we can share is the fact that we were an old, messed up, broken down barn. And God has begun to restore it. He's begun to make new. He's begun to bring change. I think, I think that's just the beautiful uh, mess of the gospel is that it's messy and it's ugly and there's rat's nest and it's broken and rain has fallen down and it's rotten wood in places and there's weeds in places. But Jesus still looks at us in our whatever condition our heart's in and he says, I still love you. And he still begins to take and salvage and make new and put new things together. I think that's the powerfulness of the gospel. The good news for broken people like you and me is that God puts us back together. It says this in Romans 1, 16 through 17, For I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from the start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Uh, have you ever been in, in, <laughs> with a group of friends and you said, Hey, watch this. <laughs> And then you failed miserably. You ever been there? Maybe it's just me. Maybe I, I'm the only one. Where you just have those moments where you're like, hey, watch this. And you go to do something and then you just, boom, crash and burn. Isn't that fun? You're, just, you're like, watch this, I got it. It's like Wiley e. Coyote. <laughs> I think sometimes when we look at people's lives, and we hear their brokenness, and we see things in their lives, and we think about Jesus, and we think about the good news, I think sometimes we think when we go to share Jesus, we have to share it with, hey, watch this. And I think our feeling is that if God doesn't fix them in whatever way we think he should, that, like, it's, hey, watch this, and watch us fail. I think a lot of times we think that saving people or winning souls is completely on us. Good news. It has nothing to do with you. <laughs> For those of you that are terrified about sharing Jesus, because it is a, it's a legitimate fear in us of what's the reaction be? What are we going to say? And a lot of times it's, I don't feel like I have the right answers. I don't know if my life is lined up enough. I don't, and there's a lot of eyes in that. Good news is, you don't have... You're, you're not going to have to go to the cross. Um, that whole sinless life thing, probably that ship has sailed. Um, you're probably not going to die and rise again three days later. Um, really, the pressure's off when you get down to it. Like, you don't have to go hear somebody's brokenness and say, watch this, and then show them Jesus, and then see if you're going to fail miserably, because it has nothing to do with you. The gospel is powerful in itself is that when people hear the good news about Jesus, it's something totally different. That all of a sudden they hear that there is good news, that there is hope in the middle of chaos, that there is peace, that there is comfort, that there is rest, that there is hope, that there is love, there is forgiveness, grace. All the things of Jesus and it's way easier for people to go, I can deal with that. That's good news. And it has nothing to do with you. I think that's the best part. <laughs> Man, if people's faith and people coming to Jesus and them putting their faith in Jesus was dependent on me, we'd be really, really messed up. 
Because I make mistakes just like you do. Because we're all broken. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how well you think or may have it together. It doesn't matter if you are educated or uneducated, rich, poor, white, black, whatever. It doesn't matter. There's no difference. I think that the greatest thing that we have to remember is that the gospel is powerful. And here's the good news, is that when it comes to the cross, your goodness doesn't get you in, your badness doesn't kick you out, we're all on the same level. That's it. The gospel is powerful in itself, and we just need to share it. We just need to believe that it's for everyone. We need to realize we're all broken, that the gospel is for everyone, that it is powerful, and that we have to share it. That's, that's what Paul is encouraging us, challenging us, instructing us to do. So as the band comes, I want to give you our action point today. And for some of you, <laughs> it's going to stretch you incredibly. You're going to go, I don't want to be stretched. It's good to be stretched. But our action point is this. Share Jesus this week. Share Jesus this week. Now, some of you are like, I don't know how that's going to work or how it's going to look. You can do it though. Some of you, you, you might not be a follower of Jesus yet. And in a minute, you're going to take, we're going to take some time to just think about and reflect on this talk. And you're going to take out your, your connect card and you're probably going to check off the, I want to say yes to Jesus box this week. And some of you, that's what you're going to do. You're going to say, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. And so maybe the way that you share Jesus with someone this week is maybe someone that you came with or somebody that you know that's a follower of Jesus and saying, hey, I chose to follow Jesus this week. I, I said yes to Jesus. And hopefully their response is yes! And they're excited for you. Hopefully they don't go, well, here's all the things you need to do first. Here's the list. Good luck. I'm stuck on number three. Maybe that's where you're going to come from today. Maybe you're going to come from the place where you've been talking maybe for weeks or months or even years with someone who just, it always seems there's brokenness there. They're just looking for something more. And maybe for you this week, sharing Jesus is, is just that moment of, hey, it's, I know this guy, I know this Jesus, that can heal, that can mend. And when they say, well, how do you know? You can just say, I'm an old dilapidated barn. <laughs> you say, no, I know because I was messed up. And what Jesus has done is he slowly started taking down these broken boards of my life, these rotted boards, these rain-soaked boards, these weed-covered boards, and he's slowly putting me back together into something beautiful again. Maybe that's where you share Jesus at. Where do you need to share Jesus this week? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, says this. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for it. <laughs> It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 
I honestly believe this. We can't do anything to earn Jesus, to earn salvation, to earn forgiveness for our sins. It's all because of God. It's all because of Jesus. And I love how it says, but you're God's masterpiece. Created you anew to do the good things that he planned for you a long time ago. Because remember, sin separates us from God. Sin, we tend to be more selfish. We tend to do our plan. And now God has stepped in and he said, oh, I got a plan for you. And it's that good news that that person who's broken, who's a dilapidated barn like you used to be, tell them there's something better coming. There's a better day. That there are going to be this beautiful dining room table where people gather around it and they celebrate and they enjoy life and they work through life. That it's this beautiful chair that gets to sit and, and watch the sunsets on the porch. It's this beautiful swing in a garden. It's gorgeous things that Jesus puts us back together again. And so share Jesus this week. And remember that the gospel is good news for broken people like you and me. Don't forget the me part this week. <laughs> the gospel is good news for broken people like you and me.